Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, as we started our series last week, um, talking about supermen. And uh, we, we found, at least I found, 50 things that came across this list, 50 things that real men don't do. And this was written by a father as he was at a baseball game watching his son play baseball. And uh, someone accused his son of batting like a girl and, uh, and said, hey, man, you know, uh, real men don't swing that way. And so he, this thought popped in his head. He went around to everybody at the baseball game and asked men and asked ladies, hey, what are some things that real men don't do? We talked about 10 of them last week. We're going to talk about 10 more. Uh, let's go and pull up the first one right here. Uh, real men don't, number one. Uh, ten things women don't do, pull up the first one. Wear pink, unless it is for breast cancer awareness. Okay, now don't look around the room right now to see which man is wearing pink. Now, I must say that I do have a lot of pink in my wardrobe, I'm not going to lie. And so when I, I'll be honest with you, when I came across this one, I thought about rewriting it and taking it out of the list, all right? Because I do, I, I wear some pink and I thought about rewriting it, but then I, I thought that wouldn't be fair to the people that landed in some of the categories last week. And so I left it, and yes, I do have some pink in my wardrobe, and I would like to say my wife purchased it for me, but no, I bought it on my own, okay? Uh, number two, real men uh, do not, uh, don't have dogs under five pounds. <laughs> now, I want to, I want to clarify something. The dog that you see when you walk into my house, I feed it, but it does not belong to me. It belongs to my daughters, okay? And besides that, last time she went to the vet, she was 5.2 pounds. Thank you very much. Number three, walk behind significant others. What do they do? They walk beside them, okay? Don't walk behind, unless you're married and you're checking your wife out. Anyway, number four, oops, sexually mentally or physically abuse women or children. Come on. Number five this week, cry while listening to Coldplay. Check yourself right now, okay? Now, if Coldplay is in your playlist, that is fine. But if I ever am driving down the road and I look over and I see tears coming down your face and Coldplay is blasting out your windows, you've lost your man card, okay? Number six, sing along to Justin Bieber. Real men don't get Bieber fever, all right? At least not publicly. Don't sing along, Caleb, to Justin Bieber, all right? Number seven, wear eyeliner or mascara. You might think that's a given, but... Number eight, lie to their significant others. They are smart enough to know she will kill them. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> She's stronger than you think. Number nine, cheat on their significant others. Because they are smart enough to know she will kill them slowly. Number 10, carry purses, totes are allowed, all right? Unless you're carrying your wife's purse, all right? Anyway, there you have it. 
We'll continue this journey together over the next several weeks. But last week we talked about where is Superman? Where are the supermen of our society? Where are the supermen really of the church? Where are the, the dudes of the church that uh, are the first ones at the church helping set up? Where are the men of the church that are there serving? Where are the men of the church that are leading? Where are the men of the church? Where are the supermen? We begin to try to answer that question. And in so doing, we, we discussed these topics. We, we talked about that supermen need to know their kryptonite. As men of the church, as godly men, we need to know what our kryptonite is. We need to know what it is that takes us out of our role as, uh, as leaders, what it is that takes us out of our role in the church, and ultimately we're talking about sin. What is our vulnerability? What is our, our iniquity? What is our bent? What is our tendency? And we need to identify that whether it's anger, whether it's lust, whatever it might be, we need to identify that, and then we need to flee from it. We need to identify what is our kryptonite. We talked about that. Secondly, we talked about supermen need to know their power and their abilities. And we spent some time in that. As men, that we have some very specific abilities as men that we possess um, that really lead culture or need to be leading culture and need to be leading the ladies of our culture and the ladies of the church. And lastly, we didn't spend a lot of time on this because we're going to deal with it today. But lastly, we, we, we briefly mentioned this one. Supermen know where their strength comes from. Supermen need to know where their strength comes from. Supermen know where their strength comes from. We were looking at the story of Samson. And how Samson was this mighty man. He was actually brought to earth. He was actually raised up uh, by his mom and dad, sent by God to be a deliverer for the children of Israel. It's his very purpose. It's why he came. But through that, we see that he had some kryptonite. And it was ultimately that kryptonite that brought him to a season of failure. But in those last moments, he remembers where his strength comes from. And many people will look at the passage and think that his strength come from his hair. And his hair began to grow back. But if you look and see what he did is he lifted up his eyes towards heaven. He began to call out to God once again. And all throughout those three chapters that talk about Samson, you will see this. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And in that last moment where the Bible says he killed more of the Philistines in that one moment than he did in any other moment of his life, actually throughout all his life, it was because the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Samson knew where his strength came from, and it came from the Lord. His strength came from the Lord. The, the hair was just an outward symbol or an outward sign of what was taking place in his heart. And I briefly mentioned this last week that, that we as men of the church need to know where our strength comes from. Our strength does not come from church attendance. Church attendance is much like the hair of Samson. It's just an outward display of what is taking place on the inside. Supermen love to come to church because they're radically in love with Jesus. They're radically in love with the Lord. So today I want to talk to you about this thought. Supermen know where their strength comes from. Supermen know where their strength comes from. So I want to look at the greatest superman in the Bible, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Supermen know where their strength comes from. Today as we read this passage, we're reading about the one that the Bible says, and we look unto him, the author and finisher of our faith. That we're to look to Jesus, the greatest superman of all time. That we're to look unto him. Why? Because he's the author and finisher of our faith. And for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. And why was there joy in that cross? Because he saw what was on the other side. And that was humanity 
being saved. As we look at Jesus in Matthew 26 here, just for a moment, we're going to be reading about the one that the Bible says that no greater love has anyone than this, that he lays down his life for another, and that's Jesus. And he demonstrates where his strength comes from. Where did this Superman get his strength? Matthew 26, starting in verse 36, and these are coming into the final days, the final hours of Jesus. He's about ready to leave his disciples, about ready to leave earth, and he leaves them a great picture of where supermen get their strength. Then Jesus, verse 36, with the disciples, went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. I'm going to show you something. I'm going to model something for you. I'm going to go pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. Watch, pray with me. Why was his soul so sorrowful? Why was he feeling such weight? Why was he feeling this? Because he's about ready to go to the cross and die for humanity. And so he's beginning to feel the weight of this. He's beginning to feel the pain of this. He's beginning to bear this on his shoulders. And he realizes that it's only moments away. That reality, the very reason why he came to earth some 33 years ago, the very purpose to die for humanity, it's about to take place. And where do we find him? We find him in a place of prayer. Verse 39. And Jesus going a little farther he fell on his face and prayed. Now I want you to notice something, that it's Jesus that is about ready to step into the greatest moment of his life. He's about ready to step into the greatest moment of all time for all humanity. He's about to go to the cross. No one else went a little further with him, only Jesus went a little further. Which tells me this, ladies and gentlemen, that if we want to step into the greatest moments of our life, if we want to step into the greatest hour of our destiny, if we want to fulfill the very reason of why God has created us, we need to go a little bit further in prayer. And Jesus went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not I, as I will, but as you will. And he came back to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Listen to the question. Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may enter, that you may not enter into temptation. Listen, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and he began to pray. And as he began to pray, he began to pray the same thing. If this cup could pass from me. And as we read on in the passage, what you see is Jesus coming back. And as he comes back, he finds them asleep again. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. Uh, Lord, I pray that in the next few moments that we share together, that, God, you would just uh, bring such great insight into this passage, insight into your word. 
Lord, that you would not only challenge the men of this church to discover where their strength comes from, but you would challenge each and every one of us to examine where our strength comes from. God, teach us through your word today. Encourage us through your word today. And discipline us through your word today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This picture is so powerful because here is God incarnate in the flesh on earth, Jesus. And he's on the earth, and here he is about ready to step into the, the, most, the most crucial hour of his life. He's about ready to step into the, the very reason why he came to earth. The Bible says that before the foundations of the earth, the lamb, Jesus, he was slain. This moment he's about to step into is the very reason why he's on the earth, is the very reason why he lived sinless for 33 years, is the very reason why he is the firstborn among many brethren, and we're to look to him, we're to look to him in his life as an example. Here he's about ready to step into that moment. But before he can step into that moment, he not only models for his disciples what needs to be done, but he himself realizes what needs to be done. He realizes that he needs to go to his source of strength. He needs to go to that place where, where he can be filled with the presence and the power of an almighty father so that he could be ready to bear the weight of that which he is asked to carry. And he shows us how that takes place. He goes to the garden, brings his disciples with him. Now know this, he simply could have went by himself. He could have went by himself because he withdrew by himself when he got there anyway. But any time he brings his disciples along with him, he wants to teach them something. And so he brings them all and he goes maybe just a stone's throw away so they can still see him. And he begins to pray. He was modeling what men need to do in order to find their strength. The greatest superman of all time knew where his strength came from. And it came from his father in prayer when he connected with him. One of the, the Gospels begins to paint this picture and says that it's such an intense moment that he began to sweat drops of blood. That's some, that's some powerful prayer right there. I mean, I've been in some prayer times where I've been sweating before, but that's because the AC was broke. Come on, somebody. He is outside praying. It is night. I don't know what the temperature was, but he is praying so fervently that he literally begins to sweat blood. And he brings his disciples along to see this, and he stops for a moment, and he comes back and finds them asleep. He's modeling for men how men ought to be if they want to enter their destiny, their greatest purpose, their greatest hour, their finest moment. And he comes back, and he finds them asleep. And he asks the question, could you not just watch with me? Could you not just pray with me just one hour? Just 60 minutes. Not even a tenth of the day. Could you just, could you just pray with me? Two times he finds them asleep. 
And as I was reading that and studying that this week, I couldn't help but think about this for a moment. When Jesus returns the second time, will he find men praying or will he find men asleep? If Jesus was to return today, would he find some supermen who know where their strength comes from, who are praying for their families, who are praying for their wives, who are praying for their government officials, who are praying for their military, who are praying for their, their, the police officers, who are praying for their children, who are praying for their finances? Would he find supermen? that know how to get down on their knees and begin to connect with their heavenly father, their source where their strength comes from. And there's something you need to know, ladies and gentlemen, that, that, that you know, some people sit out there and they might look up here and think, oh, it's easy to get up there and, and to say these things. It's really not. Because you get to hear me yell at you for 30 minutes. But for the last three weeks, the Holy Spirit has been challenging me in my prayer life. I get to challenge you for 30 minutes. It's been going close for 30 days for me. As supermen, we need to understand where our strength comes from. Listen to me, we cannot, we cannot twist the gospel, we cannot twist the Bible, we cannot just pick principles out and say, oh, you know what, Samson had a moral failure and then he lost his strength. Oh, his strength comes from great purity. Ladies and gentlemen, our strength does not come from great purity. Our strength does not come from our ability to live right. If our strength come from our ability to live right, we would not need Jesus. Our strength does not come from having a successful, happy marriage. Our strength does not come from having close, oh, I need an accountability partner, and that's where my strength comes from. My strength does not come from my identity and what I do. My strength comes from God and God alone, and it is through a conversation called prayer that I connect with him. And when I connect with him through that conversation called prayer, it is there I find purity. It is there I find my identity. It is there I find a healthy marriage. It is there I find healthy relationships. See, if we distort those two, ladies and gentlemen, we become works-oriented. And we base our strength on what we can do rather than what he already did. And because of what he already did, we can approach the throne of mercy and grace, yes, with boldness, and we find that grace in a time of need. But I think one of the problems is, is we've, we've somehow distorted this. I've heard preachers preach it. Stay pure, and you'll be powerful. You know what we find ourselves doing? We find ourselves trying to stay pure. Oh, I need an internet blocker, and oh, I need an accountability partner, and oh, I need to con con confess. Three get Jesus and get free. I thought I'd get more out of that one. <laughs> but see, we've created such a works-oriented society, such a works-oriented church. So we find ourselves at work. My strength, my, the reason my marriage is a success is not because I'm that awesome. Don't listen to her. I'm not that awesome. 
I know she talks about awesome, but I'm not that awesome. The strength, honestly, I'll tell you where the strength of my marriage comes from. First and foremost, it came because I had a mom and dad that prayed for me. And then prayed for my future spouse. And then secondly, it comes because I picked up that same prayer life. And without fail, any time that we're feeling this little disconnect, which is like once every five years, but every once in a while, when we're feeling, you know what it is? It's not, listen to me, it's not even because we haven't prayed together. It's not even because she hasn't prayed, it's because I haven't prayed. Because as I go, so goes the marriage. As I go, so goes the rest of the house. This is a good message. Thank you. I'm enjoying it. (laughs) My strength comes from him. And the way I connect with him is through prayer. And supermen need to understand this because we need to know where our strength comes from. Strength doesn't come from a counseling session. Doesn't come from a leadership roundtable. Comes when I'm on my knees, crying out to God, saying, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to face, I don't know how to handle this. And he fills me with strength. If Jesus did it, don't you think maybe you and I need to do it? And I have to wonder if maybe some of the reason we're not coming out with capes on and, and having these great feats is because we haven't stepped into the phone booth. Because we haven't stepped in the, we haven't come to our greatest, we haven't realized all that God has for us. We haven't realized our potential. Remember the old Superman shows, right? There, there was always a phone booth there. You know what they're going to do with the new movies? Because no one knows what a phone booth is. How are you going to crawl inside a cell phone? Doesn't work. Doesn't work. This was, this was a hallmark of the Superman back in the day. How many of you guys read the, the comic books back in the day? There was just always one there. It didn't matter where he was at. It's boom, you know? And he would step in to that phone booth. Yeah. And then he would come out. They're on it today. Come on, can we give it up for the media team? Man, watch this, watch this, watch this. Right? And Superman would come out, right, with those ugly blue tights and that red cape. And he would go and save the day. But before he could go and save the day, he would have to go and get transformed. Listen to me. Before you can go into the greatest moments of your life, man, you need to get into a prayer closet. You need to get transformed. And you need to come out so you can save your marriage. You can save your job. You can see your ch- Are you with me today? We've got to pray. Jesus modeled it for us. This was not the first time he modeled it, ladies and gentlemen. Prayer is such a powerful part of our life, but yet it is one of the most neglected parts of our life. It is such a, such a powerful part. How powerful is it? There's this old saying that says, God does nothing on earth except through invitation. 
that God is waiting to be invited into our, your circumstance, into your issue, into your problem. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people, who are called by my name, would humble themselves and begin to pray, then I would hear from heaven, and I would come, and I would heal their land. I would heal their culture. I would heal their economic crisis. Prayer is powerful. It invites God in. How powerful is prayer? I believe we have some scriptures. I'll pull these up real quickly. Psalm 107. Do we have that? Psalm 107. Psalm 107, 20 through 30. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. You don't need another medication. You need to pray. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. That's powerful. That's powerful. Prayer is a powerful, powerful thing. So powerful that Jesus did it often. Luke chapter 5. In Luke chapter 5, we see this about Jesus. We see that Jesus calls his first disciples, and then he goes on and does some pretty cool miracles in Luke chapter 5. And at the end of Luke chapter 5, you know what he does? He's not in there partying. That's a party in case you were wondering, right? He's not, he's not celebrating. He called his disciples he, he did some phenomenal miracles, and you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that he withdrew himself to a desolate place to pray. To pray. So here you are, and, you, and you, you, you're about ready. Oh, someone needs you. Oh, let's go into our prayer closet. And you pray, and you see God. And you come out, and you're changed, ba bum bum and you're ready, to, you're ready to rock, right? You're ready to do something. And then you would think afterwards, like, sweet, we just, she's just awesome. No, we got to go back here. We got to go back here. And we need to seek God again. Jesus chooses his disciples. He does some amazing stuff. And then we find him in a desolate place praying. One of the gospels says, as he often did. The disciples got to the point where they're, where's Jesus? Well, he's praying again. He's praying again. Luke chapter 6. In Luke chapter 6, we see that Jesus is about ready to choose the apostles. And this is intense moment. I mean, this is a big decision. These are the dudes that need to just carry some stuff on. Like, got to pick these guys right. You know what he did? He didn't hold the leadership summit. The Bible says he went up the mountain and he prayed all night. All night. Chose some dudes. Here we are today. How many of you guys glad he prayed all night? Prayed all night. But yet, I, I wonder if there, there's some big decisions, guys, that we need to make in our life. And yet we can barely pray five minutes. 
prayed a long time. Luke, Luke 11 is one of my, my favorites. Because in Luke 11, if I just go ahead and turn there and we're going to finish up with this. Luke 11. I'm making up for last week. We're going to get out of here early. At least as of right now. That could change from moment to moment. I'm going to teach you some things real quickly. About five more minutes and we'll be done. Five more minutes and we'll be done. I'm going to teach you some things real quickly. Luke 11. Listen to this. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. Luke 11, such a powerful, powerful picture. You've got to see it. Jesus probably off by himself praying. Disciples see him. And what they see is so amazing, so awesome, that when they look at it, they say, wait a second, we want to do that. And so they come to Jesus and say, hey, can you teach us to do that? Can you teach, can you teach us to pray? And he gives them not some words to quote over and over that has been misunderstood in society, that we just, we just ramble off these words and everything's okay. What he does is he gives us a structure for prayer. He gives us a model for prayer. And here's the model. And men, I want you to catch this. Because I believe there's some guys out there that want to pray. I believe that oftentimes the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You work hard. You work overtime. You get home. There's things to do around the house. You try to wake up early. I get it. I understand that. I believe the spirit is willing, but I, I know, I understand that the flesh can be weak. But we need to pray. I believe there's some guys out there that you want to pray. And maybe it's not even the flesh is weak. You want to pray, but there's, how do I do it? How do I converse with God? It's real simple. Real simple. See, we, we don't need to complicate it. Oh, spacious Father. <laughs> Who art in the heavenlies. Okay. Just pull up a chair. And say, God, can we talk? But then he gives us this model. Let me share it with you real quick. The first thing is this. How do I pray? Number one. Number one, pray the prayer of Praise. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Give God honor. Show him respect. Praise him. Worship him. We have a prayer card in the back, and I would encourage you to pick one up if you don't have one. And it lays out this same thing that I'm talking about right now, the prayer of praise and thanksgiving. Psalm 100 verse 5 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Enter his courts with praise. Listen, my daughters have learned the way to ask for money from their dad. They never come up to me like, yo, dad, give me five bucks. They come up and they sweet talk me. True story. So, Dad, have I told you I love you lately? You're, you're really awesome. 
And by the end of the conversation, I'm like, how do you spell a thousand? Here you go. That's not manipulative. It's not. It's not manipulative at all. Matter of fact, it's the way we were created. We were created to bless and honor the heart of God. And we need to make sure we enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise. How do I do that? Man, just start out in the morning or at night, whenever your prayer time is. And can I just say this? As guys, look, I know life's busy. I'm not asking you to, to, to pray for one hour. I'm not going to pop it on your job and say, hey, did you watch with me for one hour? I'll let Jesus, I'll let Jesus handle that one. But, but man, I think every guy in here could give 30 minutes of their day to pray. You could even break it up. Do 15 in the morning, 15 at night. See, bite size, right? It's like, oh. But my favorite show is on DVR. Fast forward through the commercials, there's 20 minutes right there. You could break it up into three segments, 10, 10, and 10. But pray. I think it's crucial that, that, that we find those moments when we draw away and we just spend time with God. Now, I know it's great to think that we're at this place like Paul, pray without ceasing. And I love that. And I, I, some days I feel like I'm in that mode, whether I'm driving down the road or I'm working or, or whatever. And, and, and I'm just like in this continual conversation, like there's this continual relationship. But you know what? We need to draw away with God. I'm telling you, my wife and I, we are married and we're in a continual relationship. Nothing's, man, it's going forward. Nothing's changing. Not like, you know, if I'm in her presence, then I'm in a relationship. And if I'm not, I'm not. No, we're in this continual relationship. But listen to me. If I don't take her on a date every now and then, come on, somebody. Life ain't as happy. I'm telling you, if you want life to be happy, go on a date with God every now and then. Find a time where you can draw away because your strength comes from him and him alone. Pray the prayer for praise. Enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise. Praise him for what he's doing what he's done and what he's about to do. Number two, pray the prayer of purpose. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Not my will, God, your will. Number two, pray the prayer of purpose. God, what's your kingdom will for my life? God, what's your kingdom purpose for my life? Listen to me, I know every one of us out there probably has a plan, an agenda, an idea, a will, but there's something powerful for supermen. When they come to that place of prayer and they surrender their will to God's will, they say, God, here's kind of what I see. Here's what I think I'm supposed to do. But you know what? Not my will. God, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And when you pray your kingdom come, and you can pray through that so many different ways. God, your kingdom power. God, your kingdom mind. God, your kingdom principles. God, your kingdom will. Let your kingdom come, your will be done. Pray the prayer of purpose. Number three, how do I pray? Number three, pray the prayer of provision. Pray the prayer of provision. Give me this day my daily bread. Come on, somebody. How many could use some more bread in your life, in your bank account? You know what the Bible says? The Bible says the righteous have never been forsaken, nor their seed had to beg bread. When you pray, pray for your finances. Now have a budget too. But pray, God, we need provision to continue to come in, continue to provide for your children. Pray. Pray the prayer of provision. Pray that God would provide for you. Pray that God would provide for others. The Bible says he's Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Number four, pray the prayer of pardon. Pray the prayer of pardon. Forgive us our 
sins as we also forgive those that are indebted to us. Forgive us our sins. And pray through those other things, but then allow the Holy Spirit in those moments of prayer to come and search you. Search you. Pray the prayer of pardon. God, if there be anything in me, pray what David did in Psalm 138. God, try me, seek me, search me if you find any wicked way in me. God, remove it. Man, that is a scary prayer to pray. But I'm telling you, it'll transform your life. Pray the prayer of pardon. Next, number five, pray for people. Pray for people. Pray for others. Why pray for others? Because this is the will of God. 2 Peter 3.9 says that God, is, his will is that none should perish, but all should come to a place of repentance. When you begin to pray for other people, pray for family members that don't know Jesus. Pray for your boss. Pray, pray, pray for people in your neighborhood. When you begin to pray for other people like that, you are in tune with the will of God. Because it's God's will that none should perish. When's the last time? See, I've met so many people and I ask those questions. Do you pray? Oh, yeah, I pray all the time. Really? When? When I need something. What happens when you stop needing things? Well, I'm done praying. But what if we tapped into the heart of God and what God's desire is? Pray for others, man. It's powerful. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4 says to pray for all those who are in authority over you. Pray for your government officials. Pray for your president, vice president. Pray for governors. Pray for all of those people. Pray for Senate. Pray for those people that are in authority. Pray for police officers. Pray for them. Pray for them. And lastly, pray the prayer of protection. Pray the prayer of protection. I love Psalm 18. My God is my rock, my fortress. In Psalm 118, it says he's my stronghold. And pray for protection over your life. Pray for protection over your wife. Pray for protection over your, over your children. Pray for protection over your church. Pray the prayer of protection. Listen to me, man. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you through this series to find your prayer closet. I want to challenge you through the remainder of the, the next three weeks to find this place where you could go and you begin to cry out to God and you begin to go to your knees and you begin to pray. And if you don't know how to pray, you can grab one of these. Grab one of these things and it just has some scriptures and it has some ideas for you to help, to help you pray. To help you pray. Think about this. There are six different things listed here. And if you just spent five minutes on each of these, it's 30 minutes. When you begin to give yourself the prayer, man, it is awesome. Not just what happens in those moments, but what happens when you come out of those moments. Supermen know where their strength comes from. And it comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. And we connect with the Lord Jesus Christ through a conversation called prayer. And when we begin to do that, I'm telling you right now, you'll see your marriage begin to get strengthened and grow. You'll see your job place begin to turn around. You'll see your finances begin to increase. You can, you can call out to them in a time of need. Prayer changes things. God hears your voice and he works on your behalf. What God does on earth, he does through invitation. I've seen it happen in my own life. My wife and I will celebrate 16 years of marriage in just a couple months. 
And that not only has come because we've developed a lifestyle of prayer, but that came because before we even got married, my parents taught me how to pray. And so before I asked that woman to marry me, I set 21 days aside and I fasted for 21 days and I sought God. 21 days, water only. You say, wow, that's extreme. Listen to me. And there's some people in here that know this to be true. And God redeems. But listen to me, outside of salvation, one of the greatest decisions you'll ever make is who you're gonna marry. And if Jesus stayed up on a mountain all night to pray who his apostles were gonna be, man, I prayed. Emotionally, I was there. She's amazing. But I prayed. And God confirmed it. God blinded her for me. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Might have been one of my prayers, actually. God blind her. Let her think I'm super great. Prayer changes things. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is amazing. And when you're on your most desperate, pray. And when you're on your highest mountain, pray. And everything in between, pray. 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 Never forget, about 16, 17 years old, phone rings. Me and my brother were the only ones home, and I answer the phone. And I hear a, 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 just a pretty stern voice on the other, other, other end of the phone saying, uh, are your parents home? I said, no, my, my parents aren't. My parents aren't home. Um, can you get a hold of them? It's very important that you get a hold of them. I said, I'll try, sir, but I, I, don't, I don't know how. I'll, I'll do my best. Well, if you don't get a hold of them, I, I, need, you to give, I need you to give them this message. This is not going to be easy for you to take, but I need you to hear what I'm telling you. I need you to write it down. I need you to get a hold of your parents. My brother was a police officer. And he was on his way to a call. And on the other line, the sergeant said this, your, your brother's been in a very bad accident. They're airlifting him to Harborview Medical Center in Seattle, and they've given him an, an 8% chance to live. And your parents need to get there immediately. Hung up the phone. Some came over me. And I somehow got a hold of my mom and dad. They were a couple hours away. And I began to relay to them what happened. And somehow we all converged on that hospital. But as soon as I hung up the phone with my parents, they were at a church meeting, I think. And, and they relayed it to the church. And the church began to get the prayer chain going. And within 60 minutes, we were getting messages that there were people over in China praying from a brother. Get to the hospital. Said he's, he's it's severe damage, brain damage. He, we don't know what's going to happen yet. When he finally came to, and it's been, a, it's been a while, and I don't know if it was that same day or the next day, when he finally came to, I remember me, my dad, and my brother were down in the hallway. We're in that hallway, and, and all of a sudden we look, and there was my brother being wheeled in a bed across this hallway. And he turned his head and he saw us. I'll never forget this. 
and he saw us and he recognized us and he reached out his hand and he tried to say our names and all that came out was that's it man I remember turning away and I just started weeping I have three older brothers and I look up to all of them I remember looking at my dad my dad just started weeping we met with the doctors and the doctor said he's it looks like he's probably going to make it, make it, but he's going to have permanent brain damage. So you know what we did? We called the prayer chain. And they started praying. Next meeting we have with the doctors. Um, it looks like there's been some turns and there's something going on. And it looks like he's, he might be okay. And the permanent brain damage, it looks like he might have to relearn to talk and walk. But it looks like he, he might be able to get some function back. Called the prayer team. Next meeting with the doctors. Um, we don't know what's happening, but he's making dramatic Im- improvements. And he's actually beginning to talk again, and his motor skills are coming back. He might even be able to go back to work again. We prayed. Next meeting. Um, We don't know what's happening, but we heard you're Christians. True story. True story. And it's come to our attention that you're praying. And actually, your brother, he's he's gotten a name around the hospital now, and we call him the Miracle Boy. The doctor gets out, writes a prescription, all it says on it is prayer. So we go to pray. Next meeting. Um, he's definitely going to be able to go back to work. He might not be on patrol again, but he's, he's going to go back to work. He'll probably be at a desk job, but he's, he's going he's to go back to work. You know what we did? We prayed. Next meeting. We are completely dumbfounded, but he is going to be back in full action again. You know what we did? We went ahead and we prayed some more. And he not only came out of that hospital and went back to working, but he is now known nationwide throughout every police station in the nation as the number one DUI arrester in the nation. He has been on Nightline. He has been on Dateline. He has been on nationwide news networks where they've interviewed him. God not only brought him back to where he was, but they brought him back and excelled him. The average police officer arrests about 21 to 22 DUIs a year. My brother has won the award every year. They finally removed him, true story, they finally removed him from the list and said, you can't be a part of this award anymore. It's a true story. He's, gonna, he's hopefully gonna be here sometime in the next couple months. I'll have him get up and share his testimony. It's a true story. Average police officer, 21 to 22, he arrests 210 a year. Because we prayed. Because we prayed. I I can share with you story after story, the results of prayer. Our second child, Faith, was born cesarean. And our first one was born cesarean as well. And so we knew the routine. So we kind of knew what to expect. And so I go into the room with my wife, and she's laying on the bed, and there's this sheet right here, so we can't see below there. I'm sitting up here, and... We're there, 
and we're there for quite some time. And I hear the doctors talking and they're saying she's, she's not coming out, she's stuck, there's a problem. So they're grabbing all the tools you would use to, to get the, the child out. We're there for quite some time and I see my wife and she's beginning to look a little fearful and a little worried. Because with Cara, as soon as she came out, they lifted her over the, 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 the sheet, showed her, and then took her over to the table. So now faith comes out and they don't lift faith up and show us. And I saw the look on my wife's face. I see the look on her face and she's like, what's going on? So I remember leaving her side and I walked over to where Faith was at. And there she is lying on that table. The nurse is there. And I hear the nurse and she's, you know, tapping, spanking. She's like, come on, baby, breathe. Come on, baby, breathe. Come on, baby, breathe. And I'm looking at the nurse like, what, what's, what's going on? What do, you, what do you mean, baby, breathe? This, this is normal, right? What's going on? What's happening? And the longer I sit there, the, the darker blue she becomes. And the nurse turns and looks at me with fear in her face and looks over at the, the other nurse and says, make the call, we need the emergency technicians. And I just said, uh-uh. And right in that moment, out loud in front of the nurse, I said, Faith, Deborah, you breathe right now in Jesus' name. And no sooner did I get those words out of my mouth where she coughed and she began to suck in her first breaths of life into her lungs. And the nurse just looked at me. She looked over at the other nurse and said, we don't need you to make the call anymore. Listen to me. I'm talking to somebody. There's somebody here today. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're dealing with. But your answer is found in him. And it's through a conversation called prayer. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.